Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Local Legends with Lark Farley. I'm your host, Lark. A little bit about the podcast if you're new. Basically, I share with you all stories that took place in my small hometown, Brown County, in Indiana. These stories range from true crime to the paranormal and everywhere in between. If you'd like to share your own hometown stories, you can email me at locallegendswithlark at gmail.com. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I know that it's been a while, you know, I've just been in a deep dive in the historical archives of the Brown County Democrat, trying to find interesting stories to share with you all. And today's story has been weighing really heavy on my brain. It's been an obsession, if you will. I have been studying and researching and trying to find all of the information I possibly could about today's subject, who, by the way, is just an icon, and we're going to get into it like we always do, break it all down, the who, what, when, and where. And I'm very excited. I am, I am very excited about this episode. Now, I will say it's probably going to be a longer episode because we have a lot to cover. We have a lot of ground, so I need you all to get relaxed, uh, get a cozy blanket, and get comfortable, and uh, cozy up with your favorite beverage because this is going to be a long one, and we're in for the long haul. So today's episode, we will be covering a woman by the name of Madame Signa. Now, Madame Signa was a world-famous French mentalist and cold case solver. We're going to be taking a deep dive into her, who she was, what is a mentalist, what cases did she solve, how did she do it, was she real, or was she a con woman? Believe me, there is a lot to this woman. Now, Madame Signa, regardless of if she was a fraud or not, was iconic. And to me, is the epitome of this podcast. Because she had this identity and this persona that was larger than life. A literal local legend. Now, she was one of the most successful mentalists in terms of her long-term relationship with local police departments in solving, in particular, cold cases. Police respected Madame Signa and sought her assistance with several cases. But before we get into those specifics, let's start at the very beginning. What is mentalism? What is a mentalist? Now, according to Wikipedia, who had the most, let's say, basic definition, because you can get really into the weeds in mentalism, but we're just going to make it as basic as possible. So mentalism is a mental or intuitive ability such as hypnosis, telepathy, clairvoyance, divination, precognition, psychokinesis, mediumship, and mind control. So think along the lines of Carrie, Stephen King's Carrie. Mentalism is considered a subcategory of magic and is what is known as mind magic. Mentalism is not a new concept. It is quite old and was referenced in the Old Testament as well as in ancient Greece texts. So now that we know what mentalism is and mentalist, we're going to go back to our queen and icon, Madame Signa. So who, sh- who was she? Now, according to a headline in the Daily Reporter that was published on July 18th, 1933, Madame Signa is a weird, uncanny, and very unsettling woman, which we love. Those are some iconic adjectives. Now, Madame Signa rose to notoriety in the early 1930s. That was her time to shine. She traveled the world for over 18 years, sharing her ability in clairvoyance, divination, and mediumship. Now, at the time, she was the only mentalist in the world who did not require the questions of her audience be written down beforehand. Instead, 
the person in the audience would raise their hand if they had a question that they wanted her to answer. And without saying anything, Madame Cigna would ask their question out loud and proceed to answer it. She specifically answered questions about the future and the past. She could answer these questions posed to her by the audience in any language as she was a master in over 14 languages. And according to the same article, they stated that she held a doctorate degree in biopsychology from the University of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Madame Cigna was also popular with the elite of society, and she would hold special private seances and special audiences with the elite. I was able to find her tarot deck that specialized in speaking with the dead, which now sells for around $300. And if you don't think that I want it, you would be wrong. I want that so bad. I want it so bad, but it's so expensive and so hard to find. Back then, though, her tarot deck sold for around $5, which in today's money would be around $90. So still kind of expensive if you think about the 1930s. Like $90 is nothing to be shy about. Like that's a lot to spend on a tarot deck. While in London in 1931, Madame Signa received honors from the Prince of Wales. She was well-loved by her fans for holding a special performance that was for women only, and she did this a lot. She would hold these special performances where the only audience members were allowed were women, and each woman in the audience would be able to have a private interview by Madame Sigma, and the cost of that this special program was waived, so women didn't have to pay anything to go to her performances. I would like to describe very briefly to you all what she looked like, because in this article from the Daily Reporter from 1930s, they had a huge picture, black and white picture of her, like center page, first front and center page. She had long, beautiful, wavy dark hair that was wrapped in a loose bun, dark eyes, and dressed in shrouded white clothes that made her look ethereal like Kate Bush or Enya. Like, this woman came out. She was like, I know the aesthetic I want, and I'm gonna live that up. And for that, I mean, you have to tip your hat to her. She knew what she wanted to do, and she did it. Now, I will say, before we really get into this, I couldn't find zero proof and documentation about her doctorate degree. And what's interesting about that is that, so the University of Chattanooga, Tennessee, has all of their doctorate degrees that they've ever awarded to anyone available online. You can you can find them by the year and the name of the person and the subject of their doctorate degree. And there is no one that was ever awarded in the University of uh, Chattanooga, a doctorate degree in biopsychology. There, there was nowhere to be found. They never awarded a doctorate degree in that subject. And so biopsychology, if you're not familiar with it, would basically be neuroscience today. And so that's a lie, guys. I know. I know. We're already kind of picking this apart, which is kind of unfun, but we got to be real here. I am just saying that uh, her having a doctorate degree is not real. Now, I guess you could make the excuse, you know, what about an honorary doctorate degree? And, you know, you think about like actors and actresses, they always get awarded these degrees. They didn't go to school there. They never did anything, but they just get awarded these degrees. I guess that's a possibility, but even that would have been documented somewhere and I couldn't find it. And I'm just going to be really real, too, in the fact that not a lot about this woman adds up. I must imagine that to a certain extent, Madame Sigma was one of the most successful and beloved con women, if we're going to be real. It's giving very much so Mary Kay vibes, like kind of a pyramid scheme, you know? There's also no record of her birth or death 
or what happened to her after this 18-year period of newspapers covering her. She just kind of literally fell off the face of the earth. I, you know, I like to imagine that she took all of her money and retired to the south of France, but I don't know. She's literally a mystery. Other than these newspaper articles, there's not a lot to go on. To move on to how she was connected to solving cold cases in the police, while traveling in the 18-year span that she had, she would reach out to local police departments that she was at, like giving these performances at, and ask them if there were any cold cases she could assist them with. Now, because of her notoriety of the time, police would ask her to help. Her process would be to have the police give her a full report of all the details of the case that they had so far, and then she would go into isolation for a few days and come out with the details that would lead to the case ultimately being solved. Now, Madame Signa helped solve the disappearance of Lula Freeman and Freeman Baldwin, the O'Connor case, and the Whitney bank robbery. We'll say about this as well. There are no details on, on how she helped solve it. There's no, like, a breakdown of interview of, like, okay, and now that we know that she has this little process where she gathers all these details like a little crow and then goes into isolation to solve these cases, there's no information on, like, how she helped solve them. Apparently she did, and the police were comfortable and confident enough to call it closed and be like, yeah, this person did it for sure they did. But we don't know how. Now, as for Madame Cigna's connection to Brown County, let's go through this article I found published in the Brown County Democrat on August 4th, 1933, titled One Person Involved in Brown County Murder. This case she assisted on was one we've covered on this podcast. It was the episode titled Lee and Lorena Brown, Brown County's Murderous Mystery. I would recommend checking that episode out before we continue, just so that you're more familiar with this case. So the article goes on to state, Madam Signa, world-famed mentalist, says the guilty person is still alive. The celebrated Brown County mystery has again been brought to the front. Madam Signa, world-famous mentalist, who had an engagement at a Bloomington Theater Friday and broke all Bach office records at her special performance for ladies, states that there was but one person involved in this Brown County murder. Immediately after the special performance, she retired to her suite at a hotel and went into seclusion for several hours. She made public to newspaper men that she had concentrated on the famous Brown County murder mystery case and made the statement that the guilty person in the murder is still alive and not burned to death at the farm as originally thought. Not satisfied with those findings, Madame Signa said she also would try to find the whereabouts of the guilty one. So far, she claims that there is only one person involved in this amazing case. Now, quick recap of the case, just very, very briefly. It was alleged that Paul Brown had shot and killed his parents and then set fire to their home. A neighbor testified in the case stating that Paul had uh, shot him earlier that day before the killings took place. Paul Brown was never found and the assumption was that he had hopped a train out of town. Others thought that because of the identities of the body in the home were not conclusive enough that it was possible that Paul and Lee had died in the fire and that Lorena, the wife, had been the one to commit the murders and then leave. To this day, this case remains unsolved and I could find no form of follow-up for Madame Sigma on this case. Another option about Madame Sigma, since there's really not a lot to go off of, like, who she was, birth date, real name etc. Another thing to consider is that Madame Signa is kind of like a misnomer, right? It's this fake name you come up with, like a stage name. So another real possibility is that even in this period, a specific 18-year period in the 1930s, it's really possible that there could have been multiple people going by the name of Madame Signa all around the world. Because I was able to find quite a few articles in England and Glasgow, Scotland, about 
Madame Signa and a woman by the name of Rebecca Shaw. So it's a real possibility that Madame Signa's real name was Rebecca Shaw. However, there's no record of her death or anything like that. And I wouldn't want to say in confidence that uh, Madame Sigma's real name is Rebecca Shaw because I have no idea, no way to prove that. It's just that there was a Rebecca Shaw in Scotland who was doing mediumship around this time as well. So I just want to throw that out there. It is a possibility, but I'm not confident enough in the proof and, and the readings that I did of those articles in the UK to say with confidence that Madame Sigma was in fact Rebecca Shaw and vice versa. And I imagine the reason I wasn't able to track down a death for Madame Sigma is because of that name Madame Sigma is clearly not her real name. So how do you find information about a person when no one knows who they really are? And I imagine that that is intentional because Madame Sigma probably doesn't want people to know, right? Especially if you're conning people. And I say conning because you think about these all-female shows that she did, and there's just something about that that's a little unsettling. But before we get into those and the conclusion and wrap-up, I wanted to share in its entirety an article I had found that, to put it very nicely, was not a fan of Madame Signa. And I and I think this article is referencing the Madame Signa that we're talking about, the one that was in Brown County, the one that traveled in 18-year 18 period, spoke 14 languages, because it's very specific in its characterization of her. And we know for a fact that she was in the UK around this time period. Now, the article was published on Saturday, September 30th, 1922 in the John Bull newspaper in London, England. And the article is titled, Witchcraft, Up-to-Date Imposters Who Prey on the Gullible. Which, already from that title, we know that we are in for a treat. This person came out guns blazing. They are not a fan of Madame Signa and want to make that extremely, extremely clear to their readers. So let's get into it. They say, the three witches who gave Macbeth a bad quarter appear to have very much milder successors today. The black art as practiced by the unattractive trio mentioned has been shorn of its grand guggenol characteristics and has generated to such a degree that it has now become a poor sort of dirty white art. Now, a guggenol, really quickly, is a French puppet that was a caricature. Moving on. They operate from respectable addresses. For instance, Madame Signa of 12 Newton Street, Charing Cross in Glasgow, who claims to be able to tell one's character, abilities, changes, marriage, and health on receipt of the inquirer's birth date, an old glove, or some hair combings, and two shillings and six pence, which would be around $15 today. Also instructs in the art of telling fortunes by cards and how to read teacups, both the volumes which she supplies for this purpose for one shilling, nine pence, that's around $8 today, and one shilling, seven pence, that's around six fifty. And respectively can be described in each case as nothing other than a fair go of utter nonsense and an insult to the meanest intelligence. But it was reply the reply is received from Professor Gould de Nook, Heathfield Road, Cardiff, William Small, 21, Bank Street, Greenock, George Eshelby, 37, Milford Street, Blot, Cardiff, and Miss S. Felder, 29, Fairbridge Road, Upper Holloway, which proved the most interesting on account of the ludicrous fashion in which they contradicted each other and in one instance because of the illiteracy displayed. Professor Gold, in return for one shilling, informed the acquirer that he could look forward to many burdens and sorrow and labor of the body and mind, whereas William Small, whose fee was two shillings, has a very bright future ahead and will marry very comfortably, and their future will be very prosperous. Is it possible that the higher fee accounts for the more pleasing prophecy? This may well be, for George Elshelby, who was content with one shilling sixpence, transmitted the following message he received. This young man is likely to experience many difficulties during the first few years of their life as things will be so unsettled for him. 
On the other hand, Miss Felder was confident for two shillings sixpence that the inquirer would have an offer to go abroad that is very good, but look after your chest. In my favorite sentence, here we go. The foregoing should be sufficient to prove the utter folly of wasting money on the puerile rubbish supplied by these fraudulent necromancers whose occultism consists solely of a desire and determination to extract money from fools. Drops my leave stage. That is just so funny to me how much this man disdain had such disdain for Madame Signa and everything that she stood for. And I just thought that was really funny how, like, he doxed her. That's not funny. We don't stand for that. Listen, you don't need to go be going and giving out people's addresses, right? Like, that's not okay. Listen, I know you British tabloids love to do that and put people in danger because you like to dox people. That's not okay. We do not stand for that. You can tear her apart with words, all right? But you can't put Madame Signa's life in danger. Because people will come for her. They'll literally come for her. And if I had met a signal, I would not give out my real la- first or last name either. People will kill you. So to conclude, while part of me thinks that Madame Sigma was far ahead of her time and somewhat of a local and worldwide legend herself, another part of me is very skeptical of her. And I feel like that's rightfully so. There's no record of her name anywhere like I've talked about. And details around her are very murky at best. There's no follow-up and proof of her having a doctorate degree, and I would give my right arm to, to have been able to read her thesis if she did, in fact, have one. I am also really skeptical, as I've mentioned before, of her women-only special performances, as to that, to me, could read one of two ways. One, that she is supporting women and being an icon, or two, is actually taking advantage of women and preying on their insecurities, which unfortunately is probably the more likely option. As for her ability, in air quotes, to be able to know ahead of time without anyone saying anything out loud what their question will be in her performance, now this could easily be explained by her having plants, that is, people that she paid to do this. So she would have people that she paid be in the audience. They would be the person she would pick when they raised their hand. And they would already, she would already know their questions because she's paying them to perform in this way. And I really feel like in these types of things, particularly in this time period where things like this were happening, you think about the seances and the mediumship and people that could levitate and all this stuff. It was all fake. It was all performance. It's like going to the circus. It's just, it's not real. It's an illusion. And so a lot of the times people wanted an escape, right? 1930s wasn't a great time in American history. So you want an escape and you want a show. And I guess like to that extent, Madame Signa gave that to you. She gave you a show. She gave you a little bit of escapism, but it's also kind of just preying on people and preying on poor people. And honestly, everything about this woman makes me have more questions than answers. And I would have given anything to be a fly on the wall in one of her special performances. And I really feel like the reporters when covering her could have done a lot better in form of creating more ethical reports about her. And what I mean by that is being really realistic, like having someone go to one of her performances and write really in-depthly about what that performance entailed. And maybe not mentioning her doctorate degree at all in an article, unless you were able to back that up with proof. Because it's just very odd to me that they would have mentioned her doctorate in biopsychology and the specific detail of it being given to her from the University of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Like, that's so specific. And it's not true. It's just not true. They never did that, as, that I could find. And it's just, an, it was just odd. And while we may never know who Madame Sigma was or what truly went on during her performances, we do know that she was well-loved and respected and successful during a time period where women were expected to conform and had very little autonomy. So for that, I can, you know, give her a nod of respect in that way. She really came out and she performed and she made money and she was able to thrive and survive in a time period where women were never given the spotlight in that way. 
it's just going to be a little unfortunate if she was a con woman. You know, like just preying upon people and stealing money. Now, I do, I will give her this in that she did have free performances with women, so she didn't take money from them. But if she was preying on their emotional states and their vulnerability and insecurities, you know, that's kind of like leechy behavior and we don't like that. I will say I have a new answer for the question of who would you like to meet and interview both the living and dead and it would be Madame Cigna for sure. I want to ask her so many questions. I want to know everything about her. I want to know when she was born. I want to know where she lived. I want to know where she retired to. I want to know if she was married, who her part, if she had partners. I want to know where she died. I want to know everything about this woman. So, if there's anyone that I have that's listening that is from the UK, if you're from Scotland, Ireland, England, or France, and you're able to find any information about Madame Signa at all, I would love to read it. Again, the specific Madame Signa was around 1930, 1933. That time period was her time period that she was popular in. I scoured the internet for all the details I could possibly find about her, which was uh, sadly not a whole lot. But I did my best because I have just been entranced by this woman. I am obsessed with her. I just want to know everything about her and I had to share it with you because I just couldn't contain it. I loved researching for this podcast episode. I loved reading all the articles about her. And uh, if you are able to get a subscription to newspaper.com, I'd highly recommend looking up the picture of her because she is so iconic and amazing. And regardless of if she was a a scandal and a cheat and uh, swindling the elite in society out of money, she was kind of iconic. You know, I'll give her that. She was an icon. But that'll do it for me this episode. Um, Next time, we have a lot of options. We have a lot of different paths we could take. We could cover the headless ghosts that terrorized Brown County. We could cover a ghost that created a mob. Pitchforks, knives, swords, and uh, torches because of its activity. We could cover the butcher who killed people with meat cleavers. So, you know, Brown County just really has it all, especially in in early 1900s. Things were insane and people were whack. I hope that you all had a great holiday and I'm so excited for the new year and to create more podcasts for you all that we can enjoy and listen to together. But in the meantime, what do we say here on the podcast? That's right. Stay safe, stay hydrated, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.